When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I am a fire park ranger in Alberta, Canada. This will be a series of events that happened to me over the past five years of service. This isn't normal for me to write my feelings online, but someone close to me said that I should try. I already have a lot of trouble explaining what happened, so please bear with me. I've been a fan of Nosleep for the past five years, basically since the first night shift I took here in the watchtower. My job is simple, I either sit in the weather tower or the watchtower. Either way, I spend my day watching one of the most beautiful views one can see. Mountains, lakes, and miles and miles of forest. During the night, it's like being in space. I can't see anything except the stars and the moon shining through the tower. My tasks are to respond to problems nearby the tower day or night and watch for any signs of smoke. I am trained to respond to service call or wolf call deploy and investigate alone. I prefer working nights if you ask me. Something with the way things are during the night makes me want to just sit down and relax. That's when I started reading stories on Nosley. 
At first it made me a little uneasy with where I was, since I work alone in a tower that moves a little every time the wind blows. Every time the tower shakes it feels like someone is climbing up the ladder. I lost count of the nights that I sat right next to the entrance door paranoid. After a while I got used to the ambience and I got really comfortable with my work. Maybe a little too much. This blog will tell you stories in a series of posts of my most awkward and weird events that happened to me in the past five years. So ladies and gentlemen, sit tight, hold on to your beer or coffee, and be prepared to be entertained in the most terrifying way possible. A bit too much. March 17, 2015, 10.45 p.m. My shift starts usually at 10.30, but that night I was a little late. I had already called in to tell them I'd be a couple of minutes late, so I wasn't really rushing to get there. To get to my tower, I have to drive a good 20 minutes in a dense forest at maybe 20 kilometers an hour. Then I'd find a parking and walk 10 minutes in a little path that would bring me to the tower. Not scary at all if you were a trained ranger. As I was walking down the path, I didn't use my flashlight since the full moon was at its full peak. I could see very well and I decided to put on my earphones and listen to some rush. The path brought me the a cliff full of wheat and small oak threes. When you're walking up the cliff, you can see the weather tower at the top of it. So I didn't have much to walk left to get to my position. As I was scrolling down my iTunes lists, I had this weird feeling in my head. You know the feeling that you are being watched? I actually thought there was something since my area was full of mountain lions and other cute, but dangerous creatures. So I decided to pick up the pace and try to get there without getting hunted down by some big cat. Now at a certain point, when you are approaching the tower's territory, some light stick starts lighting up to show you the right path to the right tower. I was going to the weather tower so I followed the right path. The lights are activated with a motion detector. So when I passed one, two couple of lights ahead will light up. That's when I saw something weird, a couple meters down the path, not in even 30 feet from the gate, the light were turning on and off. As if someone was ahead of me. I stopped and took off my earplugs and he yelled, Yo, who's there? Nothing. The lights turned off. I shrugged it off thinking it was maybe a small animal or something. I walked maybe five or six meters and the lights at the gate turned on again. Standing in front of the gate, a man. At least from where I was looking, it looked like a guy. I couldn't tell if it was one of the guys from the tower, but there was a guy standing in front of the gate. I stopped again, annoyed and confused, I yelled loudly. Hey man, this is private property, do you work here? Lights turned off again. Now I was getting spooked a little. I decided to pick up my radio and call in my station. But the radio obviously was dead. As I was about to start walking again, the lights turned on again and the man was walking up the stairs leading to the entrance of the weather tower. I started running like crazy to try and caught up with him. At that point I was dead set on talking to the guy. I got to the tower finally. Assuming the guy was inside with my co-workers. Since there's like five minutes between him getting inside and me getting at the bottom of the stairs. I would have saw him climb down in between for sure. I was about to open the door to enter the tower and I looked behind me because of the same feeling I had earlier. Convincing myself I was reading too much of Nasleep at night I entered. 
Hey man, sorry I'm late, we're the guy. My coworkers looked at me confused. What guy? I've been alone since you left this morning. So I'm either going crazy, or I actually saw someone, and he magically went down the staircase without me noticing it. Either way, that night I was not on a weather watch. December 15th, 2015, Eastern Tower, 06.10 p.m. Eastern Tower to North Tower, please acknowledge my checkup call, over. That evening was one for the ages. Big snowstorm mixed with some violent wind. I tried to communicate with the Northern Tower since my shift started that morning. I eventually was able to pick up a small but brief okay from them at 10 a.m. Normally, we have to call in every two hours to check if everything is going well in our respective area. The Northern Tower would always initiate the call by saying, Northern Tower to Eastern Tower, good morning. Everything is pretty boring up in here and we wish you a disastrous day over. I would normally reply in fashion, but that day was not like any other day. Something felt off about the storm, mostly because it came out of nowhere. My radar was showing a nice winter blue sky for the entire day. After their short answer, it seemed like the storm was picking up intensively, which was the reason with my communication problem with the other tower. Mainly the reasons that nothing was working on that day too. Statics in communications, power bump, power shortage, and the Wi-Fi was not working properly. Since I could not reach the tower and I had nothing to do for the next four hours, I decided to go in the back room to lay down for a while. I would eventually have to wake up before my replacement comes, so I've set an alarm for 6 p.m. Something about the peaceful sound of the wind made it easy to simply drift away and sleep. The alarm I have saved was turned off when I woke up. The sound of static was loud in the console. Someone was trying to reach me by radio communication. East Tower, this is North Tower, can you repeat your last message? over. I awkwardly got up, stumbled on my winter boots to finally reach the console. Something was off, I felt something weird inside. Almost as if someone just left the room. But why would they say this? What last message? I slept for nearly three hours and I never got up to pee, even more to go play radio with the tower up north. I didn't want it to sound too tired on the mic so I gave myself a couple of slap on my face to try and wake me up a little bit more. With the most obvious I just woke up voice I replied, North Tower, this is East Tower. I didn't send any call for the past four hours over. Nothing. Only static. Again I was thanking damn nature for the pain in the ass day I was having. Eventually I had no choice to start a malfunction report due to the lack of communication. I hated those reports, probably because I'm a little too much of a lazy person. Coffee in hand, I was sipping and writing my way tea through my report when the tower lost power. It was pitch black inside. My anxiety reached an all-time high when I could not find any working flashlights. Enraged by the temperature outside, I stumbled around the console trying to look for a potential light source. That's when it happened. A weird clicking sound right next to me coming from inside the radio monitor. The light from the monitor started to open on and off until the radio completely turned on. The sound of static coming out of the thing started to amplify more and more, until I succeeded and unplugged the monitor. No power and the radio was working. What the hell? My heart was still racing after 10 minutes of me, 
trying to figure out why, with no P-word, can a radio turn on? I sat on the main chair and closed my eyes for a moment. I was feeling myself relaxing, the wind blowing on the tour, the snow colliding on the windows. Everything of this place was made to make a man fall asleep. East Tower, help is on the way. Please stay still, over. I jumped the F out off the chair. Chills were going down my spine. No freaking power nor connection to a power source. I reached down for the microphone, sweating due to an extreme nope situation I was having. Realizing mid-through that the voice was not the same as I remember, it was already too late, I replied briefly. Who's this? I've waited a couple of minutes for answer. I was getting angry at that point. I grabbed the microphone and I yelled, Who the F is this? What's going on? What's? The communication was cut short. The power was restored miraculously. I plugged in the monitor and started to make a distress call to the Northern Tower. I was freaked out all right. Ugh. Northern Tower, this is Ut. Eastern Tower. Did you just call me five minutes ago? Over. And his answer was to this day, the moment when my third eye opened widely, he said. Eastern Tower. Where the hell were you? I tried calling you for the past three days, and I replied. I'm fine, I tried to call you since my shift started seven who? What do you mean three days? You've been MIA. For the past three days, SAR teams are all over the place. You've placed a distress signal from far up west. Reality can be tricky sometimes. When you work too much and are secluded in one place for a long period of time, you can lose your path a little. But to me, I never lost myself. I fell asleep three hours ago to wake three days later, naked in a console looking outside the window. A beautiful blue summer sky. No clouds in the area, only the beautiful sight of nature of the Canadian wilderness. Birds were singing that morning and I could see. Wait, where's the snow? It's... it's December. Five to six years ago, I found myself in the rugged wilderness of Oregon's Ochoco Mountains, pursuing my passion for archery hunting. On this particular hunting trip near Spanish Peak, Oregon, I had been tracking an elusive elk deep into a secluded canyon. As darkness cloaked the landscape, intensified by the thick clouds overhead, I realized it was time to make my way back to the road, which was about an hour's hike away. Yet an eerie feeling crept over me, as if I were being trailed by an unseen presence. The night came alive with unsettling sounds breaking sticks, rustling leaves that sent shivers down my spine. Instinctively I called out, stop or I'll shoot, clutching my arrows tightly, prepared to defend myself against the mysterious cryptid lurking in the darkness. To my astonishment, the source of the noise emerged from the shadows, closing the distance between us to a mere 10 to 15 feet. It mirrored my movements, halting whenever I stopped. Determined to confront this enigmatic presence, I readied an arrow, hoping for a glimpse of my pursuer. However, as I positioned myself in a small clearing, the cryptid abruptly ceased its pursuit. Perplexed yet relieved, I continued my journey towards a forested area, unaware that it had circled around the clearing, resuming its pursuit from the cover of the trees. With each cautious step, enveloped by the enigmatic darkness, I felt an unseen force watching over me. There was no accompanying smell or visual confirmation of what trailed me, only an undeniable presence that sent chills down my spine. 
Despite the challenging circumstances, my instincts guided me along the winding road, etched in my memory from previous encounters. Without the aid of a flashlight, I relied solely on my knowledge and intuition. The entity, for reasons unknown, ceased its pursuit as I reached the road, vanishing into the shadows. Reflecting on this harrowing experience, I couldn't help but contemplate the stories surrounding Bigfoot, rumored to assist lost hunters in the wilderness. Perhaps the enigmatic cryptid had been watching over me, ensuring my safe exit from the treacherous woods. So I spend a lot of time hunting and fishing in some of the more rural areas of North Carolina. I have seen graveyards that date back to colonial times in central to western parts of North Carolina that you would assume were too far from the coast to be settled. I have had experiences in houses that predate the 1890s as far back as we can trace that would definitely make you believe in ghosts. But the strangest and most frightening experience I have had was when I witnessed what I could only assume to be ball lighting last bow season. Last year in September, my brother, his girlfriend and myself moved into a nice older house that is on 13 acres of property. Being avid bow hunters, the first thing we did was hang a ladder stand on the most obvious deer trail and drop a corn pile and camera nearby. Flash forward to mid-October. We've been seeing a good amount of deer on our camera and are super excited to take turns sitting in the stand. One afternoon, my brother and his girlfriend are leaving to visit her family that lives just a few miles down the road. I decide to take the opportunity to hunt. The leaves are falling and everything is orange in the woods. Right at dark in the fleeting moments of legal shooting light, I hear the unmistakable sound of deer moving towards me. What I mean by unmistakable is that deer typically walk so cautious, they barely make any sound at all, often stepping G lightly enough that you would think it was an animal much smaller his size until they break a branch. It's the trained ear aspect that other hunters would be familiar with. It's getting darker and darker and typically I would climb down, but these deer are shadows right on top of me now. I hesitated because I didn't want to alert them in hopes of coming back and catching them in the act earlier at some point in time. I'm watching these sleek long shadows when bam all of a sudden the woods lights up with this glow. In retrospect it's hard to describe exactly what happened or what I saw, but it looked precisely like what a lighting bug looks like in the distance, except on a much larger scale. A bright green flame like ball the size of a dinner plate. Hell, maybe even bigger, just lit up four feet off the ground right underneath me. I waited for the deer to explode through the woods, but airily they didn't. As a matter of fact, they vanished almost like transported, just gone. They light itself only illuminated for a few seconds, and then complete darkness. Needless to say, I waited another three hours for my brother to come looking for me pulling up in his truck worried. There was no way I was leaving the safety of that tree stand until someone came and I wasn't alone. Ha! Crazy. My brother passed away about seven years ago on March 22nd. Sometimes I have visitation dreams from him where we sit and talk. I hadn't had one in a while. Back in late March of 2015, not on the 22nd, I happened to have another one. In the dream, we were sitting somewhere talking. During the dream, he put his hand on my shoulder, 
and at that moment I woke up. I realized I had to take a leak, so I got up, walked into the bathroom, switched on the light, and looked in the mirror. On my arm, where he had touched me in the dream, was a large bruise, and right above it was his first initial written in pen just above the bruise. I don't have any pens in my bedroom, and I am not a sleepwalker, and I am not on any medication. The bruise didn't hurt at all and faded within a few days. I have no idea how to explain what happened. My heroin addiction hit rock bottom back in May or June of this year. I ended up not being able to pay my rent, so I pawned off almost all of my possessions, and before I could piss every cent of it away I decided to buy some basic camping supplies. A tent, a fire starter, parachute cord, knives, snare wire, etc. Because I knew it would be impossible to live out of my car in the summer heat. I ended up doing a kind of hybrid thing where I would spend a few days out in the woods, then go back to my car to pawn some more of my shit and score dope or food. The point is, I was wandering off into the woods at night without any real idea of what I was doing. I would usually try to go a mile or so in so that I wouldn't be in as much danger of being on anyone's property and getting arrested. However, this was harder than I imagined it would be. The woods near the trails I grew up wandering, which had acres of land separating them from any homes, had become a victim of the McMansion developments that sliced into forests all across the nation. So I would often find myself in an area I thought was desolate only to realize that there were houses one-eighth of a mile or so away. Whenever this happened, I was always afraid some kid would go running into the woods to play in the early morning, see me, and then rush to his parents, who would undoubtedly call the police about the six-feet-two unshaven stranger sleeping on their property with two giant knives, military-grade rope, and snare wires. Like I said, I didn't know what the F I was doing. So I often found myself hiking through the woods long after nightfall, swinging my machete blindly and struggling to assemble my tent with one hand, while I held my phone's flashlight in the other, that is, until I pawned my iPhone too. It was one of those nights, well into the evening by the time I set out, and I had tried to make it a point to go much further into the forest than usual. Due to the aforementioned fear of being caught near those housing developments, I finally decided I had hiked far enough. I was looking for a large open clearing that used to spook me as a kid, but now seemed like the ideal place to set up camp. Looking back, I'm guessing it was a grow-up, but at the time, the abandoned minivan with creepy words spray painted on the side filled to the brim with peat moss was rather unsettling. The woods were very dense, so clearings were difficult to come by, and I had to take what I could get. Unfortunately, I had no luck finding the place, but by the time I was certain I had gone too far 11-12, I figured at least I was far away from the housing developments to not have to worry about the cops. I was shining my phone's flashlight around, and I spotted a very small clearing a few hundred feet from the trail. I went over to it and realized it was a fairly thick patch of moss on top of a rocky surface. I figured it would have to do. So I struggled and cursed my way through the process of setting up a tent in the pitch black night. It was almost 1am by the time I finally lay down to sleep. At first I was on my side facing right, but when I tossed over to my left four inches of moss is hardly a temper pedic. 
and the withdrawals weren't making my situation any better, I saw something strange. Through my tent, I was able to see a single point of light in the distance. I couldn't quite tell the source or where it was, but my first guess was that it was a flashlight on the trail, since it was definitely bright enough for me to have seen it when I was setting up camp. As I stared at it, however, I noticed that it didn't seem to be moving. That meant that whoever's light it was was either standing still or else moving parallel to my eye line. I continued to stare at it, and it continued to remain the exact same size, which meant it wasn't moving towards or away from me. I stared at it for five minutes, and the only thing I could come up with was that it was a backyard porch light for one of the newly built houses. Thing was, as I stared at it, I got the impression that it was moving ever so slightly, just barely enough to pick up on. After a half an hour of this, I convinced myself that I must have not noticed the house due to the time I arrived, and I was content enough with that explanation to be able to fall asleep. However, when I awoke the next morning, just as I had originally thought, I was in the middle of nowhere, probably a mile from the nearest house. The creepiest time I have ever had in the wilderness was when I was being followed by what I assumed was a homeless man or drifter. Now I wasn't like miles away from civilization, but I was on a local park's path about 45 minutes from the parking lot. My wife and I were at a point where the amount of people was very slim, so we stopped for a drink of water at our halfway point, and across the canal I can see a guy in a jacket, full-length pants, and he has a sack with him probably full of human heads. It is like 90 degree weather, so to see someone in that outfit is fairly weird, let alone carrying a sack in the middle of the wilderness. I could see the guy looking at us, and I decided that we needed to head back to the car. So my wife and I start walking back, when I decide to peek back about five minutes later, and the drifter is about 100 yards behind us. I have no clue how he got across the canal. Although my wife would later find out there was a small pipe he could have crossed, but at this time I thought he was super drifter or something. So we keep walking, and I would casually peek behind us every now and then. The drifter was always the same distance behind us. At one point a guy on a mountain bike comes ripping around the corner of the path and directly at the drifter. He skids to a stop and they start having an argument. Their argument ends with the guy on the bike yelling at the drifter to get a job. Then he pedals off. I decided that we needed to walk faster, so I tell my wife to pick it up. Hopefully that will give us some distance from the drifter. I look back a couple minutes later and the drifter is about the same distance from us. I'm really confused at this point because my wife and I are not slow walkers at all. We both are runners and have good stamina or speed. This drifter in his full pants or jacket carrying a sack in 90 degree weather is keeping up with us. At this point I am beyond freaked out, so I tell my wife to pick it up even more. We are going at a very fast walk pace. I would say it was comparable to jogging, but in walking form. Every time I look back the drifter is about the same amount of distance from me. Eventually we start to see people on the path, and I just hope that the drifter decides he wants to stop and talk to one of those people, but he never does, he just keeps following us. We make it back to where we parked our car, it only took us 30 minutes to get back to our car. As we get in the car, dripping in sweat, 
We drive away and see the drifter emerge onto the sidewalk in town. I was probably 21 because I was sharing an apartment with my sister, and that would make her 18. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was in Thousand Oaks. The apartment was on the third floor, and we always had a bunch of friends over. It was pretty much the party apartment, so we had a bunch of friends over like once a week, and we would do Ouija. I didn't have a board, so what I did was, I made one. I got a big piece of cloth, like t-shirt material jersey. I drew all the letters on it and made all the designs and I created a Ouija board. And I had like a glass ashtray. A small glass ashtray that we could use as a pointer. So the ashtray would just go over the letters and we could see through. So we had a lot of fun with it. We'd ask silly questions just for the first few times. Everybody would ask questions and it was a lot of fun and everybody had a good time. And then one night we had an entity come through. God, I don't even like to say his name because it still freaks me out to this day. But he called himself a J. And he would just at first just kind of play around with us. You know, I think he was just kind of stringing us all along kind of thing. We would ask who he was, when was he alive? How did he die, you know, those kind of things. And he told us that he died in a school bus accident and all of the kids in the bus died and we were like, ooh. We were getting kind of creeped out by that and he said he felt so guilty about it and it was his fault. I know it's hard to think that you could get that kind of information from a Ouija board, but I mean this was over time and so my sister and I tried to investigate. We didn't have an area, but we assumed it was from the local area and we tried to investigate. We couldn't find any news stories about a major school bus incident like that. We looked at the local cemetery to see if we could see his name there. We couldn't find anything. So it got to the point where the friends would come over and this entity would always come through. We were like, we don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to somebody else. It just got to be, you know, it was starting to freak us out. So we were thinking, how do we get rid of this guy? And then all of a sudden, then he started coming to me in my dreams. So now I'm getting really tripped out. I'm like, I said to my sister, her name was Crystal. I'm like, Crystal, we have got to get rid of this Ouija board. He's starting to come into my dreams. We got to get this thing out of the house. It's a bad entity or whatever. 
I didn't ever see him in my dream. It was like he was talking to me in my dream, and he told me his name, so that's how I knew who he was, but I didn't see him. It was just really freaky and bizarre and scary because I'm thinking, if we can not only come through a Ouija board, of course, you know, I'm not thinking sensible, of course he come through anything. If he can come through the Ouija board, of course he can come into my thoughts or what have you. Jimmy Church asks if they ever found out who he was. We never found out who he was and we decided to get rid of the Ouija board. So we took the Ouija board and we threw it into the big apartment dumpster out back. We just threw it away and we were like, no more Ujang, no more. We'll do something else. We'll have the friends over for a party, but we're not gonna Ouija anymore. So like a week later, my sister and I are in the kitchen and we're cooking and I said, give me the blah blah or whatever out what I was asking for and she goes to the drawer to pull it out and there folded up in the drawer is guess what I am serious she's like Maria look in the drawer I'm like how is it there how did it get there we threw it out how did it get there we ended up burning it we were so freaked out so scared that was the end of it once I burned it that was it On or about September 25, 1973, I was enrolled in a doctoral course that met from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at Baylor University. This course met two nights a week. After class, I was driving west for home when I noticed a bright light above Lake Waco. At first, I thought it was the planet Venus. However, as I continued to drive toward the lake as I lived on the west side of town, I noticed that the light was appearing more and more to my right. So I knew it wasn't, but it was probably a helicopter. Two nights later, as I drove home from class, I noticed the same light again. Since I wasn't sure if it was a helicopter or something else, I thought I would check it out. Instead of returning home, I drove over the bridge at Lake Waco and took the first exit to the right. This led to Spiegelville Park. I could see the craft was on the west side of the lake in a stationary position with a white light pointing east. As I approached the craft, it turned off the light and moved to the southwest. I could tell it was a black triangular craft. It crossed the highway and I followed it. I got back on the highway and watched the craft cross over the highway and settle behind a clump of trees on the south side of the highway. I then took the next exit and crossed over on an overpass to the area where I saw the craft go down. I could not see the craft as I drove slowly past the trees. The road curved back east, and I pulled up about 100 yards, turned off my lights, but left the engine running. Looking in my rearview mirror after a few moments, I saw it slowly rise from the trees and come toward where I was parked. It then pulled up to where I was on the other side of the fence. It turned to face me and remained motionless, making no sound. It was on the other side of what appeared to be a telephone line about 10 feet above it. I could definitely tell that the craft was black, triangular in shape, about 20 feet wide and 30 feet long. It had a cockpit with a greenish hue inside, and I could see the shadows of three small heads peering down at me. After about four or five minutes, a green light appeared on my vehicle, causing the engine to die. I tried to restart it without success. I tried turning on my lights and radio, but nothing worked. Getting nervous, I locked my door. I sat there for a good 15-20 minutes, 
trying every two, three minutes to start my engine. Finally, the engine turned over, and I drove down the road about another 100 yards where I put on my lights and turned around. As I drove past the craft on my left, it hadn't moved. When I got back on the highway heading east, I could see it was still there. About three years later, I saw what appeared to be the same craft above the lights at the south end of the La Viga football field. It was apparently observing a football game. My family and I headed to my wife's family for dinner, and I wanted to drive over and show her what I had seen years earlier, but she didn't want to see. Having served two years in a FROTC and two years in the U.S. Army with a top-secret clearance, I can say without a doubt that this craft was not ours. Roman 6 used to work in South Africa doing wildlife work, and on a normal day, I typically was out in the bush by myself. The area that I was working had the highest density of African leopards in South Africa, and when I started working there I was told, you will probably never see a leopard, but a leopard will probably see you every day. This was kind of a creepy thought in its own right, but it didn't really bother me at all. We had some trail cameras set up in the area to catch photos of wildlife, and they obviously caught any people that would walk by as well. One day, one of the other researchers called me over and showed me a picture of myself walking past a game camera, and less than a minute later, a large leopard walked past the camera going in the opposite direction coming from the direction I was walking towards. He must have heard me coming and just ducked off into some bushes for a second, watched me pass and continued on his way. I had no idea. My most beloved uncle committed SN-91. We were stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and had no phone so the state police and a chaplain came and delivered the news. Had to move through military channels to pull my husband out of the field in Yakima. My mother had to pay bank to get us on Delta and home Kentucky in time. We landed about an hour before the service, so you can imagine how exhausted we were. I hadn't really slept in three days. This man was my father. He was our patriarch. We muddled through the service and returned to his and my aunt's house. My husband was devastated and tore ass through a healthy amount of beam. Got my aunt sedated and in bed, went outside to comfort my man. He's in the tree swing and I'm trying to soothe or drag his ass in cause I am beyond wore out. Let me interject here that I have had a bizarre fascination slash fear of UFOs and aliens my whole life. My fam lived in the country way away from civilization, and there were nights I drove home in the middle of the night, leaving their house speeding to get to city lights. My cousin was a little prick who would wait until bedtime I always got his room when I, I came, and say, Hey, Martianus, hope your friends don't come visit tonight. Aliens. He thought my fear was hilarious. My uncle, on the other hand, was intrigued by my duality about the subject. Coming full circle here, as I'm cajoling hubby, a UFO appears above the farmhouse. Not an army flare, an airliner, nor a Chinook, not fireworks. This thing was huge, pulsating an odd orange and red glow. I foreeked the F out for a sec. Ran in and got smart-ass cousin, who was young and as sober as I was. Hubby met us at the back door and we piled out into the yard. I felt the biggest sense of calm come over me, 
and oddly enough, cousin who never believed and ridiculed came unglued. It just hovered for like 15 minutes and just gradually floated and dimmed out over the pastures until we could no longer see it. I believe my uncle came to say goodbye to me and help me allay my fears. My cousin has never yanked my chain again. My name is Alex. I'd like to tell you a true story that happened to me at work. Back in 2013, I briefly worked in a furniture manufacturing warehouse for six months. We mass-produced wall units that held your TV, VCR, and stereo all in one unit. Me and about 10 other people were hired to work the 4 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. shift to cut, drill, and package the particle board. The customer would then assemble the entertainment center at home. The person in charge of the shift, I forget his name, was a co-worker in his mid-twenties with long light brown hair, about five foot eight inches tall, looked like he worked out with weights, was quiet, did his job well, was a nice guy. He kind of looked like Heath Ledger, the actor. About three months after working there, I came into work like any other day. At lunchtime, I was at the workstation by myself eating my lunch when the person in charge of the shift came up to me and asked if he could talk to me. For the next 15 minutes, I had the most profound experience of my life while he talked to me. This individual that doesn't know me anywhere except work started telling me things about myself with pinpoint accuracy, things that nobody else but me could understand. How could he know things about me that I have experienced in the past that only I could understand? He was not cold reading me like a palm reader would. He said exact occurrences. It was a very strange situation. Lunchtime was over and we all returned back to work. For the next three months, he was there every day, working as usual like nothing ever happened. After three months, there was a work shortage and everybody from the evening shift got laid off. I never saw him again. I later moved from the East Coast to California. About a year ago, I met a guy at a get-together at a friend's house who I swear was the same guy. It was so weird. His name was Michael. I asked my friend about Michael and he said that he knew him from his job. A few weeks later, I went to lunch with the same friend and Michael was with him. Instantly, Michael started recalling things from my past. I asked him if we had ever met before, but he insisted that we hadn't. Recently, my friend told me that Michael had suddenly quit his job. When he tried to contact him, he was nowhere to be found. I wonder, was Michael a doppelganger or the same guy from before? It's just so strange. I worked at a park one summer in college more or less driving a golf cart around and tending to whatever up on the escarpment in the park. One morning we had to go install some shitty mesh fencing along the park perimeter on top of the escarpment. We're in this thickly wooded area that took us about 15 minutes to walk to from the nearest path. Randomly, we see this woman walking towards us from out of nowhere. As she comes closer, we can see she's pregnant. She's wearing yoga pants and a sweater, not exactly summer hiking apparel, so we walk up to her and ask her if she's lost. She says she isn't, that she's just hiking, and she keeps on walking. We kind of just said WTF to each other and went back to putting the fence up. Then about an hour later, we hear a baby start crying. 
This is the middle of the woods on top of an escarpment on a hot July morning. There are no babies here. The crying stopped after about five minutes. I thought about going to check it out, but it was just too creepy. We finish and get back to the portable or office and tell our boss what happens. She tells us that just a half hour or go a couple called security and reported running into a guy with blood all over his shirt coming down from the escarpment. That's really all that happened. A cop came and talked to the couple and we told him what we saw just in case. Never heard anything of it again. Was a strange day, still get chills thinking about it. I believe my house is haunted. A few years back, I was getting a drink in the kitchen. From the corner where the basement was, I heard breathing. No one and nothing was there. I got my water and went upstairs. A few days later, again down for water, I see the TV on and joke that it should be turning the TV off to save power. I then hear the breathing again. I apologize and run upstairs. There was nothing else happening until yesterday and today. I had brought the ghost up at a party I was having in my house. The next night I saw a shadowy figure out of the corner of my eye. It disappeared when I looked over. I assume this is just the light playing tricks on me and go back to playing video games. I go to bed later and feel something rush over me. I look over and nothing's there. I could have sworn I saw something. The next morning, I'm putting a fan in my window when I hear breathing behind me. I assume it's mine and hold my breath. Nope. Still. There. I look behind me. It stops. My dog isn't in the room. My cats are downstairs. The lizards don't breathe loud enough to be heard. I turn around and continue. It continues again. It stops after a little while. A friend of mine used to do a lot of hiking alone. Not overly sensible, but he really knew what he was doing. He went on this very long hike in rugged terrain and hot subtropical weather. The hike was long 10 days or so. Obtaining water was always a problem. He had to find soaks and little trickles at which to fill his bottles, which was often navigationally challenging. A day or two into his walk, he found that he was getting really serious heat rash to his crotch caused probably by shorts he was wearing that were made from some newfangled fiber but weren't breathing properly. He only had one pair of shorts with him, so he'd taken to walking in his saggy old underwear. He'd been doing this for a few days and had totally got used to just wearing his underwear. He had a machete on a belt because it was very thick vegetation to be working through. At this time, my friend had sort of longish tangled hair and quite an unkempt beard. One day he failed to find an expected water point, and he was getting seriously worried about dehydration. Towards evening he came across a small house in a clearing in the middle of nowhere. He couldn't see any obvious signs of life and he yelled, hello, a couple of times, but decided there was no one around. He could see a rainwater tank and figured no one would mind him taking a few liters. So he filled his bottles and walked off. He had one last look back and saw a scared female face peeking through a window of the house. He left her alone and kept walking. My friend is ultra-friendly, wouldn't hurt a soul, so I suppose he'd only been thinking about the situation from his point of view. 
but he realized that from the point of view of the person in the house, this bedraggled, wild-haired guy in dirty clothing, wearing no pants, had emerged from the dark forest, carrying a machete. This is my parents' story. I can ask any questions if more context needed. My parents are pretty avid hikers, and they don't go super far, but they hike almost every week. Just this weekend, they went to Larch Mountain and claimed they heard a mechanical beeping followed by several loud grunts. The beeping started and slowly moved around as they listened. At first, my mom thought it could have been some device, but there were no people nearby and no other cars in the lot. We've also looked at a lot of bird noises to see if any of them matched, but so far nothing. After a few more beeps, my mom and dad both heard six, eight loud grunts. The way they described it, they expected something to be right next to them. The noises sounded like grunts, but not growls, like making an ugh noise at the top of your lungs. My mom went to run, but my dad stopped her and reminded her to stay still since you're not supposed to run when you encounter a large animal just to show how loud and close it sounded. The noises stopped as soon as my dad spoke and my parents immediately left. I'm kind of skeptical when it comes to paranormal stuff, but I really don't know what this could be. Any help appreciated. This happened when I was around D161723. Now I spend a lot of my time out in the woods near my home. It's not exactly a secluded area, but I will never forget this strange ass occurrence. I live in a subdivision in Atlantic Canada, mostly populated by your average families. I grew up with lots of kids my age living nearby, and we would spend our time hanging out by the lakes or in the public parks. Unfortunately, drinking in those places would get the cops called on us, so we ventured into the forest to drink. Now this forest is really beautiful and incredibly ominous. It was an extension of the subdivision that was never developed, almost like they went in and excavated narrow paths that would eventually become roads, but did nothing further. There are two old rusted cars that look like they are from the 1970s just chilling in there, and many of the paths go nowhere, some of them go to completely different neighborhoods. This lil forest is used frequently by dog walkers, novice hikers, and drunk teenagers. If you walk to the end of one of the many cul-de-sacs on the edge of the forest, you will find a path that will eventually lead you to a wider main path. Or alternatively, you can access the forest from the main road that is adjacent to the cul-de-sacs. Basically, there is a bunch of ways in and out of the forest minus the river to the north. About 20 minutes along this main path, there is a steep hill you hike down and you end up in the pit. It's a perfect location to be loud and rowdy and not get the cops called, but close enough that you can find your way out fairly easy in the dark. Now that I've set the stage, I'll get on to the creepy part. One evening, I was with a large group, 30 or so of rowdy teenagers, making our way to the pit when we came across a circle of tall white candles, all in a circle, maybe about 10 meters away to the left in a clearing. They were unused, and we all frequented this forest enough to know they were placed there recently. We thought it was a bit creepy, but we assumed it was just a Halloween prank since it was October and we continued onto the pit, which was about five minutes away and down the steep hill. Being quite the drinker, I don't remember the walk back clearly, but everyone made it home safe. 
The following day my friend and I trekked back into the woods to retrieve her jacket and a full quart of rum. On the way back we spotted the candles only to notice that the candles were all burned down keep in mind. They were those tall white candles seen in religious ceremonies, so it took some time to burn them all the way down in six bunches of black fabric that wasn't there the night before. I'm going to assume robes ah. My friend and I noped the F out of there as fast as we could. Once we were at her house we figured out how late we were out the night before 3-4 am, and that our group could have possibly walked by those robe-wearing candle-burning weirdos, not noticing because alcohol. For the next couple months my friend and I would go and check on the candles and robes, not ever going off the path to check it out because paranoia until one day the robes vanished, but the candles were moved. Right to the edge of the path. Though not exactly thrilling, it's something that still creeps me out to this day, and I would say it's damn mysterious. Since then, construction on the area has significantly widened the path and completely excavated the clearing where the candles once were. I still go hiking down there all the time, but the place has lost its ominous feeling. When I was 15, my friends took me to this place in my hometown. It was about a 30-40 minute hike on a very poorly marked path through the woods, and you could come out at the top of this giant hill overlooking a few towns. It was a pretty cool spot, and after going two times with my friends both times at night, I felt like, I can totally navigate this. The next weekend I brought my girlfriend just me and her. I got us up on the rock and we hung out for a while and decided to go back down and call my family for a ride I'm 15 still. So we start walking down through the woods and we get lost. Really lost. I had never really paid attention to going down as much as I had going up. So we're pretty much wandering through the woods at this point with a cell phone flashlight and aiming in a general direction. Then out of nowhere about 100 yards away from us, a flashlight just turns on. We both froze. It didn't move. I knew that there was a guy employed by the county who lived and worked in those woods. I had met him a handful of times and he was a nice guy. I assumed it was him and he could direct us so I called out, hey, loud. No movement on the flashlight. I called out louder, hey, flashlight, turn on us. Then it turned off. Then we heard a rustling like leaves heading in our direction. My girlfriend whispered, run in my ear, and we both booked it as fast as we could. After maybe 10 minutes or so, I recognized the beginning of the paths and got us back to the road where we called my parents and got home was a very weird experience and I still get a bit freaked out in the woods if I can't see like a road or house or anything. 